0: Welcome to Public Heights, the only podcast that provides weekly youth sports-related content focusing on hockey and figure skating, providing the information you need to level the playing field. And now your hosts, Chris Rezendiz and Dave Kleinberg. Chris, how are you doing? Wonderful, wonderful. Like, you got a little robotic there for a second,
1: Dave. I, I don't know if it was my internet connection or not, but, uh, but I'm doing great. Uh, I just saw... Um, the dumbest movie I've ever seen in my life, but I thought it was so dumb it was funny. Uh, have you ever seen
0: Your, Eurovision? Well, I will say we started I mean, any, I'm going to watch anything with Will Ferrell. I'm yeah. Fortunately, uh, we made it about uh, 15 minutes in, and we ended up turning it off.
1: Okay. Well, you saw the best part, and that's when they're doing the music video at the beginning, and he's going, oh oh
0: uh, uh, uh. <laughs> i think we lost uh, half of our visitors our viewers our listeners we're not a video podcast but uh <laughs> exactly <laughs> can you can you do that again for uh, the, for the uh, other? Uh. <laughs> all right so then our other half of the listeners just dropped off as well well right. welcome to the welcome to the public ice podcast everybody we have an exciting show today uh we have john lonsbury appearing so that's awesome he's a Uh, Super hockey coach, uh, working with NHL stars, also entrepreneur, uh, owner of a number of different companies, so it's excellent to have uh, John um, on the show today. Yeah, definitely. We're going to talk a little bit about gel sports and some of the training aspects with it. And I know John also has uh, 11 hockey going on, a number of different things, exciting to hear um, some of the work that he's doing. I know we also have a tech talk from Aislinn as well this week. Um, Of course, Chris, your favorite part? Oh yes, the chirp of the week. The chirp <laughs> the of, the chirp week. of the week. You know, I, I think a lot of fans keep calling in asking for where you get your chirps. I take it is is your son making them up, or are are you doing a lot of research? Uh, I, I would love
1: to say that I'm doing a lot of research, but uh, I'll be frank with you. Um, usually, uh, I just go direct, direct to my
0: son and and get it get the his latest chirp. Now, are they he, actually doing more research? So is this what they do? So, so you put him in charge. Uh, I hope you're paying him to give you the trip of the week.
1: Uh, no, that would be against uh, child labor laws. So um, he's
0: no not being paid. <laughs> so basically, if he wants to have hockey tuition, he has to give you the trip of the week.
1: There you go. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I said. Said anyways. So, so are the kids on the ice? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, well, hockey is back in swing in some states and others not. Uh, clinics are open. Um, you're allowed to, in most States you're allowed to 20 to 25 kids, uh, depending, uh, there are a few States that are still allowing uh, scrimmages and so forth. I think even the state of Massachusetts, as long as it's under 25 and it's not official, um, and you can scrimmage, but, uh, I don't believe you can play official games, but like New Hampshire's open, Chicago's open. I know Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania just got shut down. Um, my son had actually a tournament with the triple crown this weekend. Or next next weekend that was supposed to be originally in uh, originally in Canada. Then it moved to Rochester, New York. Then it moved to Pittsburgh, PA, and now it's in Chicago. So,
0: so a few sure. states are open. I'm um, sure. Hopefully, you know, you know, later on we'll have more states opening up. I know, in you know figure skating, it's still you know a lot up in the air. Um, they're still doing some research on you know what the best course of action is going to be for this year. Uh, so we'll see. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully for all the skaters involved uh, that everything opens up you know, around the qualifying season. But I think we'll have a, an update a uh, little bit uh, later on. I know that for the 2021 qualifying season, it normally opens up on July 15th. Obviously, we're past there. Uh, so the regist- uh, the registration only, um, they're going to provide an update us figure skating, uh, at, in early August. So hopefully in early August, we have, uh, better information and, uh, better, better news.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And actually, uh, to kind of piggyback off your, off your front, uh, Dave, the, um, the Q, which is the big tournament for the 2008 year, um, that's actually been postponed. It was supposed to be decided August 4th, but they've actually moved that back to September 4th now. So, um, so that won't be decided if, if they're going to actually even have the queue, which I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the queue? Tell us about it. Uh, well, it's, it's a big tournament. Um, it had a lot more clout, uh, back in the day. Um, uh, but it still has a lot of clout because it's a, it's a Canadian tournament. Uh, you, you billet your kid with, uh, uh, families, um, and there's teams from all over the world that come to play. And, um, it's awesome experience because literally, uh, the, the, where it's at in Edmonton, um, Parents will drop off their kids, give them lunch, and they sit there and watch hockey all day long. So it's really cool. Really cool experience. It's
0: excellent. Now, is it just Q or is it Q-U-E? What, what is it? Um, that's a great question, Dave. Um, I'd have to look it up. I think it's just the Q. Excellent. I right, here's some random dogs in the background. Yeah, take sorry. It those yours?
1: Yes, yes. There's someone coming over to our house, and, and, you know, the dogs like to go nuts, so we'll have to edit that okay. portion of it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, now we'll keep it in. gives it a little... Gives it a little character. Uh, So on the figure skating world, there was also announced this week the 2020 Athlete Alumni Ambassador. And this is the AAA award winners were announced uh, this week. Uh, so that was exciting news and this is a, it's a scholarship program and recognizing skaters who have achieved figure skating excellence while also actively volunteering so um you know these are skaters that have qualified for the 2020 toyota U- u.s figure skating championships national high performance development team camp or the u.s uh, 2020 synchronized skating championships at the novice or junior level so Um, the committee selects one overall winner and a winner from each discipline which is ladies men's pairs ice dance and synchronize the overall winner actually receives two thousand dollars and the five uh, remaining honorees each receive five hundred dollars and they can be used at the skater's uh, discretion so the award uh, recipients uh, were great great uh, recipients this year we had uh, samuel mindra from uh, portland uh, ice skating club and the overall winner uh, from Portland, Oregon. Um, and then we also had uh, uh Marin Pierce from Broadmoor Skating Club for ladies. Uh and uh then Samir Malia from the Los Angeles Figure Skating Club at the men's level. Uh Gia Swanson from Glenwood Figure Skating Club for synchronized skating. And uh then uh we also had uh uh, Kate Fleming from the Skating Club of Boston, uh, that's uh, my daughter's home club from Pears skating, and uh, Cordelia Pride from Philadelphia Skating Club, uh, and for ice dance, and Gia Swanson from the Glenwood Figure Skating Club. I think I already said Gia. Yeah, um, Gia, <laughs> you get you get two uh, two props. So Gia Swanson from the Glenwood Figure Skating Club for synchronized skating. So a lot of good work that they did in the volunteer efforts, and congratulations to all the winners.
1: Nice, nice. Uh, hey, Dave, actually, uh, you did mention Gia twice, so congrats. She got twice the twice the call out. Um, and just for clarification, it's actually the Quebec International Pee Wee Hockey Tournament. So it was founded in 1960.
0: Wow. So. so there you go. Still going on. Hopefully, there's a, you know, this doesn't uh, close yet another, um, you know, the times we're in doesn't hamper any um, long-term uh, event. Uh, hopefully, we have that. Hopefully, we have the Stanley Cup. World Series, Super Bowl and even uh, even you know the soccer, I guess. There is soccer, okay. right?
1: Uh yeah, yes, there there's definitely club soccer in Europe.
0: I don't know much about soccer.
1: Uh yeah, I'm not I'm not as familiar with soccer myself, so I can't really even even comment on it.
0: Um you know the big the big thing I see about soccer and someone can call it. I, I would happy to have folks Email public ice, uh, info public ice. The thing that bothers me, I mean, I'll watch soccer, and it kind of gets exciting during the World Cup, right? Who doesn't like – it's like who doesn't like playoff hockey? You, you don't even have to be a hockey fan to like playoff hockey. World Cup action is great. The thing that I hate about it is these fake injuries where oh, yeah. someone doesn't even touch someone. They go down, and they you know, they claim their, their – kneecap was ripped off and then they just you know if a yellow card comes out they didn't just walk away it's just absolutely ridiculous
1: well unfortunately it's part of the strategy of the game now is is the the yellow cards and the red cards have have become more strategizing than anything else um so so i I agree with you though i I don't like that i wish they'd actually mix a little bit more rugby into soccer and i'd probably really enjoy it where it'd be a lot better if someone didn't fake an injury but came across the line and clothesline someone while they were trying to kick the ball down the field that that would be exciting, yeah. Uh, maybe would, maybe a little WWE. Maybe we should open up another sport called um, X Soccer, like the NX uh, XFL. the XFL. Yeah. yeah, except except we'll make it full on soccer,
0: but you play rugby, and so people can tackle people. I like that. Let, let's <laughs> let's try it out. We'll we'll sponsor it. Uh, we'll work with uh, the WWE, uh, whatever they're called, and uh, get that get that going.
1: That sounds like a plan.
0: All right, so I know we're going to turn it over to the interview with uh, John Lonsbury, an exciting interview. Uh, and uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Hello everybody. We're here with John Lonsbury, a premier coach and entrepreneur in the uh, hockey industry. Uh, John, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great guys. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Can't complain. Was, we're still locked up, but we're still rolling. so good stuff. What do
0: you mean? What do you mean we can't complain? I complain every day but <laughs> no one listens, though, that's, exactly. that's the thing about complaining. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It, it, it helps, uh, you know, clear the air, I guess, sometimes. So, John, you're on the podcast finally. So, uh, you know, what's been going on? I know, you know, I met you probably, let's see, what year are we in? 2020. Uh, so I would say I probably met you in around 2014, 2015. Uh, at that time, my daughter, um, Anna, was... Uh, starting out her hockey adventures and you know as folks know she's since switched over to figure skating but John you were one of the greatest coaches out there I know she loved working with you uh, so thanks for for getting her starting in you know in that and uh, so uh, I take it you're still coaching a lot of hockey
2: I appreciate that a lot um, I, I am I am coaching a lot of hockey um, kind of been a long road not a long road short roads I'm still young but I, I went from playing to coaching prep school to coaching junior hockey to starting a business to really opening up um, not opening up but starting my own training company and and it's been um, it's been great it's been really good and I've had a lot of fun with it and it's been I'm I'm thankful for my clients and I'm thankful for the people I surround myself with and everybody else so I'm pretty lucky let's talk about that so you said you you started up a training program Um, what's your training program uh, so, I started a company called Eleven Hockey, and uh, but that company Eleven Hockey is basically, I started as a video platform because as I was coaching, I found that there is so much skill development in the game and there's so many, quote, skill development coaches out there that you're seeing players come out that are so skilled, which is obviously why we do skill development, but they weren't able to really think the game at the next level. So... I started the video component to help players understand, you know, the, the why they do things, the how they do things, and to really work through their gameplay. And that continued to elevate and translate into a little on-ice skill stuff. And I've just developed a platform where now I'm I'm doing video with with players that are in the NHL. I'm doing players that are going to be NHL draft picks and. Uh, all the way down the gamut so uh, again i'm pretty lucky in that sense and it translates all on ice stuff in the spring and summer and again that, that's kind of where it's been taking me so it's been good to so know i
0: know you're you know based here in the new england area
2: do you only work with folks in
0: new england or are
2: you uh even so i i i wouldn't say global because i don't have any you know, think about this i don't have any european clients but uh, i have clients that play in europe um, so I'm across North America and I will get up and travel and go different places. And I've been very fortunate to, to be able to work with some of the, the agencies with the NHL players. So, um, you know, Matt Cater's agency, that's your local. Um, I, I work a lot with the Will Sports Group who has guys like Thomas Shabbat and Sagan. And, and I, I work with a lot of their younger guys. Um, you know, I've traveled all over to kind of work with some of these groups to, you know get my foot out there but help them and what things they may need and they may need something for one guy they may need something for four or five so it's been um i've been really fortunate to meet some great people in the game throughout the years and maintain those relationships and just continue working at my craft and and i consider myself to be super fortunate to be able to do what i do
1: if i was a kid in like let's say florida because we've got some listeners out in florida and so forth um
2: and i wanted to utilize your services where where would i go so it's, it's the age of, I do have a website, which is a dinosaur. Um, I'm in the middle of, uh, of, of re- rebuilding our website. Um, and you know, a lot of it's on, I'm big on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff and under 11 hockey. And, and that's, you know, it's been word of mouth. I don't really advertise. I don't have any flyers out there. It's, it's, you know, I've worked with some great clients and they passed my name on and, of how I've I've been able to travel the circuit. It's, it's I just work as hard as I can, you know, at with the clients that I have, and I've been really really fortunate that some of those clients have had great success at the next level, and that's kind of how my name continues to get circulated around, I guess. So again, it's um, they can find me on Instagram, they can find me on uh, on Twitter, and, and just kind of reach out to me that way. And I'm an owner in the company Gel Sticks, so I'm kind of all over that one too, but. Um, I, I don't know. I just, again, I've been, I've been fortunate just to be, be around this game for so long through word of mouth. So I guess, I don't know how you can find me besides social media.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like, I guess, uh, you know, yell, maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll, maybe you'll yeah. uh, appear. Um, so how the, uh, the COVID now, right? Like everybody's been at home,
2: yeah.
0: uh, players, uh, not really training, I'm sure. Um, how are? What are you doing now? Are, are you able to work with them? I mean, are there the? I'm sure there's some underground ranks that have been that people have been working at, but have you like yeah. what's going on now in the last six months?
2: Well, it's been uh, like everybody else. It's been super difficult. I, I personally think um, it, it was the best thing that's ever happened to hockey, and I, I think people are going to be a little bit against me saying that. And why I mean that is because the sport has changed to, to a 12-month sport. And, you know, kids aren't getting the opportunities to be, to be kids anymore. Um, they're not playing, doing other things. And it just kind of – the thing about hockey is, obviously, it has to be played in an arena, right? You, can't, you can play street hockey and you can shoot in your driveway and all that stuff, but the, the reality of it is you have to get on the ice. So it really forced kids – of all ages to kind of just be kids and, and learn to figure stuff out and play ball outside and, and do X, Y, and Z. And it's, um, so I think it really helped to, to, to hit a hard reset for a lot of these kids, but it, you know, it was difficult. Um, I, I didn't do, I didn't do much any of, I did some zoom meetings with some players and, and went over some video I didn't do any online training. I know a lot of guys took to zoom, you know, it's, it's our, I'll be honest. It's our livelihood to be able to train players. It's, uh, you know, it's how we, it's how we feed our families and and make our money, but I, I don't, um, there's so much great free content out there that I just let people roll with it. And, you know, I didn't put together a, a platform to charge people to train and, um, you know, I did a fundraiser for 30 days with some, some, former NHL players and some great coaches out there that help raise money um, that are, that's going to go to kids who can't afford to pay their tuition next year. So I just kind of took advantage of, of the, the downtime to, to try to give back as much as I could in that sense. But, um, you know, Rick we opened here about a month ago and, and the demand is, is super high, uh, which is which is great to see. At the same time, I'm just easing my way back into it with with all my clients and because we don't know when when hockey is really going to be able to start back up again in Massachusetts we're not allowed to play games uh college hockey has been pushed out to January 1 for the most part um so you know if you want to you really can't start you can start training hard but then there's a fear of burning guys out by the time they get to you know October or November you know so a lot of uh there's a lot of thought that yeah, there's a lot of thought that needs to be put into all this stuff before just, like, really just jumping in and going crazy again. So it's interesting. One
0: of the uh, friends of the show, Brad Vigarito, um, I don't know if you know him or not, he's a figure skating coach, uh, but uh, he put together a really intensive program for his students and others um, with, uh, a, you know, where he had a series of coaches, you know, guiding, guiding you know, the skaters through um, different types of drills. And it really you know skating is is a little bit different because there's it's a lot of uh, muscle memory uh, so it's, right. you know really just you know helping them do a lot of spe- you know special warm ups you know and i'm a firm believer of you get more from practicing off the ice than you do when you're on the ice right because you're you're spending so much money especially with skating with ice time Perfect. but if you can it's probably right. the same thing with shooting pucks and and all that if you can do all this stuff off the ice and not have to pay money for it um, it's going to save the parents a lot of money on uh, tuition and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly changing the way we train and the way we look at training. Uh, I'll tell you that it's definitely taking it to a, a whole new level. And, and and like I said, there's there's some great people out there doing some great things in that that format, you know. And it's people are very fortunate to have stuff like that. And and I think a lot of it comes from, you know, the the sports special. Uh, when you really get sports specific we're we're, we're our, we need our kids to be athletes you know if they want to enjoy or, or take sport to the highest level and you know if you just play hockey for 12 months you, are you really an athlete and i, I hate to say that you, you could be a really good hockey player but a lot of your your athletic ceiling comes from being able to do other things and, and see things from another sport and, You know, when I try to teach, I use a lot of analogies and I try to use other sports because there's so many similarities. Yes, the game's played on skates, but there's still so many similarities about how things are done and, you know, how you can relate it to another sport. So it's it helps the learning process. It helps the the athleticism and and how people move. Body mechanics is a lot of hockey. Right. So it's how can we help promote that and get that better? You know, so it's it's you're definitely right when you say that. You know, I'm probably going to take the unpopular
1: opinion with you as well is actually for my son, because it was right. like, unfortunately he didn't get to play in, in this championship game last year because they would, they cut it short because of COVID-19, but it, it was twofold. Um, it allowed my son to take a massive break. Like he usually goes right into lacrosse. He goes into something else. And I agree with you. He actually got two months where he was just being a kid, um, I wish he could have played with his friends a little bit more, so he could have taken advantage sure. of that time. But I agree with you. I think I think it was a nice reset. Um, and then the other thing it taught him is, and I and I you, you can never you always have to look at everything from a life lesson perspective. Is and I always talk to him. I said, "Hey, you never know. Like like you love sports, right? So go play them. Like it's the last time you're ever going really to get a chance to play them because you don't know something could happen. Like right. enjoy it." And go have fun. Go have as much fun as you possibly can. And that's the one that I would say that COVID taught my son is because he's like, I didn't get to play in the championship game. So, and I'm like, see, you just never know what, like, there's always, life always finds a way to get in the way. Um, but enjoy what you have when you have it. So, um, right. so I'm going to probably right. take that up, unpopular opinion like like you, and say that it was a blessing in
2: disguise. Yeah, and, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it, it's, it, um, I, I think hockey, when we when we grew up playing hockey, it was, you know, I grew up in Winthrop, Mass, a little small town outside of Boston, and the rink shut down in, in April, right? And there, there was no hockey. And I can tell you, like, I, I didn't, I didn't play summer hockey. I, I didn't do any hockey camps. Uh, I just played. What was next? It was baseball. It was soccer. Whatever, whatever was going on. And that's kind of how I went about, you know, everything. And it, it just, it made me appreciate when the ice time came back open to be able to get back on the ice. And these days, since it's a 12-month sport, kids have access to ice seven days a week. So their appreciation for that ice time goes down and down. And, and when they take that away, you know, their appreciation comes back of like, man, I, I really miss this. I, I miss getting on the ice. I miss going to this this practice. I, I miss just going into the rink itself, you know, and, and it brings back that, that appreciation of like, the sport we play, you know, because it, it, it's, you know, they always say they you say the same for every sport, but for the guys that have really grown with the sport of hockey, it's, it's so much, you learn so much from the people that that you surround yourself with. And and it's just, it's such a great life tool at the end of the day. Completely agree,
1: Completely. I like I always look at sports as life lessons. I mean, you never know what you're going to do with them but everything you learn from the sports, you're going to take into whatever you do for the rest of your life. Teamwork, individual skill, um, any of those things, and I think sports are so crucial to that, especially from a development perspective. So I, I agree right. with you wholeheartedly.
0: So I, I like it, John, how you kind of just quietly, you know, threw out there Winthrop, right? Um, yeah. But I'm sure folks know who's come from Winthrop. We, you know, we have uh, Michael Ruzioni, um, yep. Rick D. Pietro, you know, one of the great Islanders. <laughs> Rick
2: <DiPietro. laughs> D. And,
0: and 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 BU guy. So
2: it would be you guy, yep. So yep. Ricky and I the same age we grew up together.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, he's not a very, he, he really shouldn't get into any fights, you know.
2: Um. <laughs> I, I can tell you <laughs> one thing. I can tell you one. I'll, I'll tell you one thing about Ricky and growing up. He, he was probably one of the best athletes um, I've seen. And, you know, we, we did a lot of stuff together and he, you know, he, he was the best ball player when he was on the field. He could pick up the golf club for the first time. and It was a natural for him. He just, he was just one of those kids that was just such an always an elite athlete. And, you know, everyone, you know, they said, you know, he was overrated this and that, but you know what? He, some people can't control how their body breaks down. And, you know, you look at his numbers and all that stuff. He he was pretty freaking amazing for for what he was able to do, you know, and he and, and good for him. And, and just, you know, no, he was, he was great. I mean, you know, I'm,
0: you know, I'm from New York, so I was a big Islander fan. Um, I mean, he's, you know, number one draft pick, I believe. Um, and I think was, did, did Garth Snow sign him for like, uh, you know, a you know, a mega contract, you know, so he's smart there, yeah. but he was, he was, uh, yeah. I mean, he had a few years, I think two or three years where he had all-star, uh, you know, caliber yeah, I... numbers. Um, but again, you're right. Like, you know, it's, if you – I forget exactly. He had a couple – was it like a hamstring or groin injury that just set him back for a few years? And um... he,
2: he had a lot of I mean, hips and, and knees and it just – you know, he, he trained really hard and he really cared. And I think he, Ricky's a really – he's a he's a kid that you got to – you got to understand that he's just so passionate and he was so, like, so determined that he just – he worked, worked, worked. And, and you know what, he, he just – I think he deserved to be the number one draft pick that year. You know, he was unbelievable at Boston University. I'm curious to see how things would change. Um, I'm curious to see how things would change if the rules were the same. I believe that was one of the last few years um, that you could – be no, you could. You were drafted in the NHL, and you had a, you were gone. You were done. You lost your college eligibility. Now you can get drafted and go to college. You know, so he played his exactly. first year before the draft, he, he was gone. I, I don't know. I don't know if he would have stayed, but it maybe it would have gave him another year to to really. You know, I, the game's different now, right? So it's who knows? Who knows? I don't. know. No, never went yeah, down I mean, I, with the conversation yeah. with them, but it's.
0: I feel like he was at Bridgewater or Bridgeport for a few years before he actually got called up um he did he did so so maybe he would have stayed helped the help the terriers win a championship if you know <laughs> if he had,
2: <laughs> if he had stayed. they had some crazy games back then though but um yeah and, and so we grew up in a hockey town and, and mike Rizzioni has always been uh, like family to me um have am very fortunate there and, and we're really close now and we do a lot of business together and, and he's helped me tremendously with gel sticks and. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better person in my corner, but he really is one of, he's a great human being. His, his wife, his kids, his daughter Leanne and I were always very close growing up, and we were best of friends throughout. And, and, uh, again, it's just, it's cool growing up in a small town like that because it's like cheers. Everyone knows everyone, right?
0: Oh, it's the same thing you hear. I mean, these are like local, uh, for, for all the people that were born who are outside of, who are bored now outside of Massachusetts. We have like, you know, program you know, programs in Hingham. Uh, big hockey town, and you know, throw a shout out to Hingham people. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, right. they, it's it's always funny because uh, you know, I think a lot of these towns, you know, they stick together in Massachusetts. It's great to see, right? Listen, yeah, more uh,
1: towns you... stick together all, all the time, Dave. So I know my, I, my, my little so town guess... in Ohio of 100
0: people is uh, still sticks together. <laughs> So this is something actually, John, that Chris and I talk about all the time is, you know, town hockey, you know, and club hockey. Did you play, like, what did you play for uh, growing up?
2: Uh, I played, I played Winthrop Youth Hockey Uh, (laughs) and uh, I played, I think, two seasons with a team called the North Suburban Wings. Uh, um, And that was kind of it. I I didn't, I didn't come from a hockey family. My, My middle brother played hockey. Uh, he he, was, he had a great high school hockey career and and um, my my dad wasn't an athlete which is not a knock to him but he was just just wasn't I think I got it from my mother and I just I just followed and played different sports so so I really didn't like there wasn't a travel team I played for a lot of friends that did it and it wasn't I didn't have interest to do it I just didn't have any other guidance so I was like really content with playing youth hockey and and going and doing the next sport and it was always growing up. I was on the B team and the A team and the B team and the A team. It wasn't like you jump around and try out. Now, if you don't make one team, you got to go to the next team and try to be on the top team. It was a, uh, it was always for me. I was very fortunate in a small town. I had some of the best coaches that I could ask for at that time, because I grew up with one coach, Ed Rossi. Ed was an all American at Harvard, I think in like 1979. And he was one of my coaches, almost every level I went through. And, and my brother had coached me and, uh, Ricky Brugman that played at Boston university and, and Dale Dunbar that played in the NHL and uh, guys like that just were always around for us and they coached us. And that's, you know, we, we just had fun and got better. And I was just lucky, you know? Yeah. That's always awesome when you can have that kind of talent and,
1: and that experience just with, uh, with different coaching levels. So that's one thing that's amazing right. me just being in the new England market. It's kind of like coming from Ohio, everything was always football, football and wrestling. Like I, I was able to, um, to learn from the the winningest high school coach in, in all of wrestling history, so um, so we had some of those experiences, but um, definitely up here it's it's always nice to um, like my son leaves in clinics uh, just to hear some of the resumes of the guys that are working with him and, and teaching him about hockey just amazes me. So um, it's, yeah. he's really lucky,
2: especially in this area. So it. Um... And again, it's just the people that want to give back to the game are great. And they you get some of the, the guys that played in like the NHL, for example, and their kids play and they want to be a part of it. And, you know, again, the, again, the give back's important. And, and for me, it's, the game was always very good to me and, and it was, it brought me to places that I never thought would have even happened in a million years. And, you know, here I am still doing it and I, and I do it for a living and, uh, again just just consider myself to be be super fortunate that I, I give back as much as I can
0: so what's the uh, the coolest yeah. or the most amazing place that you hockey has brought you uh, have you been overseas or or any uh wild places yeah, or have you is, stuck uh, you know mostly not, in the US
2: mostly in the US I, I was going to at the end of my career i had the opportunity to go play in europe um you know, i i suffered a, a pretty um a pretty pretty good accident not accident I, I took a stick in the eye in in 2000 uh 2008 I believe it was St. Patrick's Day and uh, I lost a lot of the vision in my right eye and I came back and played the next year and and it wasn't uh it wasn't easy um I didn't last the full season um you know and I wasn't playing you know I wasn't playing anything glorious I was playing low level minor leagues but I I was at the time, making good money and and the the economy was horrible. So I just kept playing. I enjoyed every second of it, and I loved the people I involved myself with. And um, I I signed to go to to play in France, and uh, I didn't end up going because I don't, you know, I, I was a little bitter at the game because it didn't end the way I wanted it to end, and and I, I didn't think I could play at a at a high level anymore because of the injury, and and I never. You know it's not the injury that stopped me from playing i i my my clock was running out anyways, but I think it stopped me from having experience overseas um but I think there was a there bit of time that i was uh i had a little angst towards the game and and i was I was angry and you know, I was angry at myself and you know just how things went and and uh you know I stepped away for a little bit and then i i finally got that love for the game back and and um again it just it just kept me going and fueled me from there so
1: we always kind of talk to a lot of people about what's the, what, what was the transition or what happened? And, and like one of the people we talked to, I don't know if you're familiar with Max Aaron. Um, he was a, um, uh, Dave could tell you more of his resume in regards to figure skating and hockey, but, but he had an injury as well. And it's always one of those things. That's why I always try to tell my son uh, real simply is just, just be thankful for what you have. Cause you just never know what's going to happen. Um, I know it happened with me with wrestling and and so forth, and it's 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 something that it definitely changes the outcome. But I'm just glad, that, glad to hear you came back and you, you still have the love for the game. So, because it can definitely can, yeah. can, can affect that.
2: It, no, it sure can. And, and and I, you know, just to, again, to be clear for me, like it wasn't, I didn't leave hockey because of an injury. It wasn't like, I you know, I couldn't perform the way I did. I found a way to play with some lost vision, but it's like I was just bitter at the game for some reason, and it, it just wasn't, you know, and it, and it didn't end well. And yeah, I don't know. And I just kind of, I, I took a step aside and really gave myself the chance to miss it and think about all the good times. And and again, because I was able to accomplish a lot for somebody no one's ever heard of, you know, and, and I'm, I'll have forever be thankful of that. And I'll, I'll be, you know, proud of the places I've traveled and went and, and, you know, it's, uh, it was just a really cool journey, you know,
1: on the lighter side, I was going to say, I have that problem in the gym, but I just never found that love for it again. That's why I'm a fat guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So John, do you still um, play? I, to lace them up? I, yeah, yeah. I still play. Well, it's probably been a year since I've actually played. Um, uh, but I like to play once a week just, uh, just to keep it going and have some fun and, and, um, you know, keep it lighthearted and go have some, you know, just play a little men's league here and there, but nothing crazy. Some friends and I play in a tournament every year, and and that's something I'll always look forward to because it's a great weekend of hockey with some guys that I play with throughout the years and growing up. And, and um, but just, you know, if I have the opportunity, I'll I'll go play. But sometimes I'm on the ice so much during the day that at the end of the day, the last thing I want to do is go play myself.
0: Yeah. Like we, you know, we always joke with our, with our guests, um, on the hockey side, that the biggest sweat that uh, that that I get is keep tying up my laces. So, <laughs> so, definitely a uh, workout on that end, but being on the ice is amazing, right? Even for someone like me that didn't grow up, you know, on the you know the hockey area, know, um, yeah, I always love being out there on the ice and playing. Uh, you know, and everyone that we talk to, they have something uh, unique that they love about the ice, right? So. Um, I know we were talking to uh, Aislin Monk. She owns um, Home Ice Boston. It's a uh, skating store at the Skating Club of Boston. And she, you know, wants to take the smell of the ice and make a Yankee candle out of it. It's, you know, and so <laughs> we always ask, like, what kind of things do you, you know, do you find that's unique about the ice? Well,
2: you know what? It's... Um for me, it's always been a place. And I mean, the things that I guess unique is that it's always a place where I can just kind of walk into the rink and everything that's going on in my head and around, I can just kind of escape, which is one for sure. Um, there's nothing better than just it being quiet out there and just hearing your blades, just kind of be really crisp through the ice. And, and when you're, when you're actually alone out in the ice, you kind of for me it's like, I think of like the fun memories I had and, and whether it was playing pickup growing up with friends or again, cool experiences I had and, and just kind of, it's great to, to take an opportunity to get lost and, and go with it. And um, for me, when I, when I train players, I love the reactions. I love, you know, I've been, again, I'm very fortunate to have some really high level guys and, um, that get paid to play. And I'll always work with, with the younger players. And you know, that I'll never give that up. I'll never change that. I'm never going to be above that. It's because those smiles and those things we get to do and and all the stuff we get to joke around with is what they're going to remember 20 years from now. You know what I mean? Like, remember that time I was with Coach John, or, or I was with whatever. And, and for me, it's, when I get on the ice, it's about building a relationship and a rapport with the player or players, plural. To to have them, I, I need to earn their trust, and and they need to, you know, they need to do some things to to make themselves better, and and just having that work together. But just to, the biggest thing for me when I walk into a rink is I know that at the end of the day regardless if, you know, if the player gets better or not, they had a good time and they're always going to get better. Don't say every time you touch ice, you're going to get a little bit better. Don't, don't uh, take that the wrong way. But what I mean is just like they, when they leave with a smile on their face and say, thanks, I mean, there's nothing more rewarding for me because at the end of the day, we're all playing a kid's game, you know, whether we get paid or not, it's, it's, uh, we're super fortunate to be able to do what we do and, and I'll never, get ahead of myself and what i'm doing and i'll never be satisfied with, with what i'm doing either but it's, it's just you know i'm always going to be a part of it and it's always going to be a part of me i guess speaking of playing
1: is my son was uh playing with one of your your um where that's where your ceo gel sticks um he was playing with his gel sticks earlier so let's talk a little bit about that <laughs> so you're the ceo of gel
2: yeah. um i am you guys are recently yeah. going into the uh the golf side correct we did. We, we launched golf in, uh, in January, right before COVID hit. So that slowed us down a little bit. But um, we we've brought on a guy named Michael Breed as our golf ambassador. He's, uh, he's known on the Golf Channel, and he's got his own XM radio show, and he's, you know, he's one of the top ten trainers in the world in golf. Um, it's a really cool thing. We're, we have a fixed-head shaft, a fixed-head club, and we have a shaft, and you attach your driver head to it, and it's like our stick is heavier. Um, you know it's two and a half times the weight and what people are doing is that they're they're hitting it it's the only club on the market you can hit with like they have that orange whip that they made where it's just a weighted or the weighted sticks Um, and it's about tempo and ball speed and, and and swing speed and all those things and it's uh you're seeing a significant yardage gain when you swing when you switch back to your head and um we've been really fortunate to to start growing bigger and bigger and we're about to hit, um, you know, a few hundred box stores here in the U S and, and we're going to get more in Canada with, uh, with Dick's sporting goods and golf galaxy and a few other things like that. So um, we have great partners and great people in the, in the company. Um, you know, it was, the, the idea came from um, a guy named Josh Miller and Josh played in the NFL. Uh, great story with Josh as he played, two years in the Canadian Football League after college, and he won a Grey Cup. Um, and then he played for the Steelers, and then he played for the New England Patriots, and he won uh, won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. And he uh, thought of the idea, and, and his buddy was a, a former agent with, the, um, with Lee Steinberg in the Steinberg Group, who was a very heavy quarterback uh, agency in, uh, in football, uh, Jason Silver. Uh, who played hockey at Skidmore college. They they brought the idea to life and um, they created what we have as gel sticks, the hockey stick. And they came to, to Winthrop because Josh Miller knew Mike Ruzioni, and Mike said, well, there's one guy that you need to meet. And I, I think he can be helpful with this. And then little do you know that I'm in, uh, I'm with Mike, Josh, and Jason, Jason, and uh, we started a business. So <laughs> It, uh, nice. and it's really, take, it's really taken off. And, and it's, um, you know, we have Cam Atkinson as a partner of ours and, uh, and Steve Goskowski who's one of my, one of my closest friends here, who, who you know, is, has had a few Super Bowls with the Patriots. And, uh, we, uh, we've been really able to, to make some waves and we have some, um, we, you know, we have 40, over 40% of the NHL training in our stick right now, you know, uh, let alone all the guys in the golf world hitting it. So it's, it's been, or a wild ride, I'll tell
0: you that. So John, you told me before the um before the call that um you know, by using your uh, by using the golf stick I can, you know, avoid getting an you know, an eight on a par sorry.
2: <laughs> no, 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 that's not true. See Oh, it's uh, not you're probably, you're no, probably still, no, you're probably still gonna get an eight or a nine. Um, but no, it's it's um you know what? It, it's so. It, well, the great thing about it is so. For me, I love to golf. I, I'm a pretty good golfer um, on the days that that I can be a good golfer, and I'm I'm less than average on other days. Uh, but uh, every time I'm up to the tee, I hit my driver like I'm never going to hit it again, and I'm going to like completely break it in half uh, because I just want to smash the ball. Who doesn't? So I started. I started using my gel sticks off the tee, and because it's heavier, it slows my tempo down. And I actually hit it, hit my driver straight because of it. You know, and I lose yardage because I don't have it; doesn't have the full swing speed with this ball speed and all that stuff. But I'm happy that I'm hitting the ball down the middle versus when I use my regular club, I swing so fast. It you know, just like anything else, it, the the stick, the club flexes, and I slice it every time because I can't control my speed. So it uh, it's got. So many different ways to use it, and so many different approaches. But the the TrackMan that everyone uses, and the swing an, um, the swing analyzers, and all that stuff. You're seeing a significant uh, ball speed change and swing speed change. And man, we have uh, we have some really cool people using it, and and it's been a anyone that goes up to one of those TrackMans and hits our club and hits someone else's club, it's like they're blown away by it, which is really cool. So.
1: I can imagine. i was going to say that that may, may fix my slice because every coach or every um, every golf pro or anyone I've actually gotten lessons from always says my club speed because I try to kill it, just like every guy that goes to the thing. Um, and I think it would uh, maybe like you it would slow down my, my uh, swing speed so I'd actually get control versus because I go out about 125 yards out and about 225 yards to the
0: right. <laughs> so, so I had so, so you guys would appreciate this. I went to uh, I was at a tournament last year. And they had, you know, the golf pro that helps everyone, you know, before the tournament, you know, giving a little pointers here and there. So, you know, he comes up to me, sees me swing. I take out a three iron. You know, the thing, you know, thing probably goes, you know, 300 yards over to the right. And he goes, you don't know what you're doing. I'm like, no, I don't. So he goes, do you play any sports? I'm like, you know, kind of, you know, saying lying a little bit to saying, yeah, you know, I know how to play hockey. So he goes, all right. He, you know, he grabs my hips, he pushes me down, he gets, you know, gets me in a specific position and then he goes, all right, hit the ball. And I hit it. The thing just drives straight. It was amazing just having these guys take a look at you. Just, you know, if they know what you're used to or what you play, they can just, you know, fix your swing in about 20 seconds.
2: Right. Right. My, my problem with going to see those professionals like that is I just kind of like, I get in my own head and I'm like, well, told me to do this. And I have to do this. And, it's kind of self-correct, you know, and that's. It, it's really. I actually saw this. It, I'm going to change the subject. Not really change subject, but I was watching something on Golf Network the other day, and they were talking about um, some of the the amateurs that are coming up, um, trying to get on the PGA Tour. And I'm going to butcher the name, but I think it's like uh, Fernbush, Andrew Fernbush, or I might it might be a completely different last name. But he's one of the, you know, the top 20 ranked amateurs trying to get on tour right now. And he, you know, he was a very highly rated guy coming out. But the thing about him is his swing is so different and it's so awkward. And it's like, they talk about it. And I want people to understand that it was the best thing I watched because it's the same with all sports. So for hockey, everyone sees, the social media side on what Jack Eichel skates like and you have to do this and your foot has to do this and you have to look like this and golf the same thing. You go on Instagram and your swing's gotta look like this and that. We're as athletes, like and they talk about skating a lot, like we're already kind of predispositioned in how we run, how we skate, how we do all that stuff. So trying to rewire a 13, 14, 15 year old kid on how to do things. You're just getting in their own head and you're going to like, you're kind of going to mess them up a little bit and they're going to regress and it's going to be awkward and just kind of, instead of just like working within his strengths. So he may skate differently or he may swing differently. You may do that. Why try to change it? He's been doing it for 15 years already. Let's try to work within it and just make it a little stronger and make it maybe a little bit more efficient and a little better. And uh, I think the the social media side of life has ruined the way we look at what's right and what's wrong, because I, I don't think – you look at every guy in the NHL, some skate the same, some skate different. You look at guys on a tour, some hit the same, some hit different. People putt differently, and there's no there's no perfect way. So it's finding what works for those individual athletes, you know?
0: Um, one of the most amazing – you know, so since I've been involved in skating, right, I kind of look at how hockey players skate, even though I watch hockey all the time. And you take a look at, like, Jeff Skinner. Um, The guy is, you know, because he grew up figure skating until he was about 12 years old. guy is an amazing skater when he's on the ice. And the stuff that he's doing, you just look at him and you're like, you know, this guy can fly around anybody with very little effort.
2: Right. And that's, again, I think some people, in for every again, everyone that figure skating, that ability to do that is definitely that definitely helped, you know, and and you know, I think people are just too, you know, tuned in on, on what again, everyone skates completely different and, and I was able to play the game for a long time because of my skating ability. Um you know, that was always my strength and it wasn't I, I went to a few like power skating clinics with Dale Dunbar growing up, but other than that it was just my athleticism that was able to to gain confidence while I was on the ice and a lot of skating is 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 confidence in kids and learning to get on their really how to get on their edges and and you know insides and outsides and all that stuff and once they learn that the confidence grows and it's easier to do a lot more things so it's you know it's it's I think athleticism is a huge piece in in how people have the ability to move and glide around the ice. The only thing I was gonna say, Dave, is actually uh, I think it is,
1: isn't it a quote from Bobby Orr that said it's not about style, it's about results? Isn't something like that? I don't know if you guys have ever heard that that statement, but that kind of goes along with what you're saying. Is it's, is is you're right? There's some guys who who just have their own style, but they just get the job done,
2: and it's almost like there right. where, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, a hundred percent. And there's there's place for everyone yeah. in the game, and that's why you know I take that like a quote one step further. But I love that. That Mike Tyson quote: Everyone's got to plan until you get punched in the face. You know, so you yeah. go out there and you you train, but like you you watch guys go through training, and and a lot of guys that are trying to like continue to build their name and go above and beyond and do new things, and and I think it's great. It, but a lot of it, you watch it, and you're like, I just don't know how that's gonna, that's really gonna translate because the the players learn it but then they don't go to the game and use it or utilize it because the game happens so fast and they don't have that confidence to, to kind of go within it, you know? So it's really, I think yep. it's even yeah. slowing down those steps of building confidence in certain things so they can go and try it at practice and hopefully build that confidence to try it in a game. So it's just kind of, yep. because again, once you got to teach them, I, I believe, and again, everyone's opinion on sports are different, but I believe if, if I make this one move, I need three options to get myself out because there could be so many different things that, that happen so many different variables in that scenario or within the game. So it's like teaching, I'd rather teach ways out of things versus getting yourself into stuff. You know, it's, I wouldn't, I'm going to use a, a wrestling reference here. Um, but a lot of the guys would learn all the, the,
1: the other moves, like the, um, like a great binder. And, and I'm not, I'm sure you guys probably don't know what those are, but, but uh, the moves that were that took multiple steps where our coach always focused on the fundamentals. And he'd always say the same things. he goes, listen, I want to teach you the fundamentals so well that it doesn't matter if someone puts you in this other thing, you're going to be able to break it with one of these three fundamental moves to reverse it. Um, And literally that's like everyone joked around because I was the king of a power switch Um, because it didn't matter what you put me in. I could always whip out my leg and, and basically pull your shoulder out of socket with a switch And, um, and that's how I, I don't know. I like, I was never the guy who could shoot shoot your legs. I was never the guy who could tie you up. I would try to tie you up and and get you down, but ultimately you'd get control and I'd reverse you and pin you. And you, you didn't know what happened. And it was always because of literally one move, a power switch. And I had that move down so bad that no one could stop it. So, and and that's kind of goes along with those as well. So, yeah, no, I completely
0: agree with you, Jack. I used the pile driver. That was my, (laughs)
2: that's not real, man. That's <laughs> not real. I was a big su- I was a big su- suplex guy myself. So, <laughs> so you guys broke up the DDT, and then I got to pin you because you weren't using real wrestling moves. Okay, <laughs> but I, I I never I have never wrestled in my life. I know nothing about it. I obviously watched it, college wrestling, all that stuff. Great, but I actually used it as an analogy a lot for for when I'm well, working with, skating and bass and stuff because. You're, you're, I call it hockey strong. Like you you have really strong hips down to your, down through your legs and all that stuff. you don't have to be a massive person, but you can be hockey strong. Like Patrick Kane is insanely strong on his feet and he's uh, 165 pounds. Right. So when I I talk to players and kids about, especially kids, when I talk about having a good base and, and, you know, keeping their knees bent and all that stuff, I said, okay, if you and you were wrestling and you try to take him down, what would you do? And they're like, well, I get low and I try to get like under his, his butt around his legs. And I'm like, okay, if he was trying to do that so what would you do? And he's like, well, I'd, I'd bend my knees and get down. So I'm heavier. And I'm like, okay. So why are we standing up when we're skating and taking contact and doing all that? Cause it's the same thing. Like if I'm up, if I'm upright in hockey and I get hit, I'm, I'm going flying, you know? So it's like just teaching kids outside of different, scenarios on how they could use their body to help themselves play the game. I, one of the things I always laugh, because I, I was so hopeful my son wants to be a wrestler
1: because I could teach him all kinds of stuff. but He's not interested. Um, but I teach him stuff along the boards just to use leverage to get out of different things or get, to get the puck just based on um, your, your, your body motions. But you're 100% right. Wrestling is all hips. Um, you can have a weak upper body and still control the match just by using your hips, especially if you use them correctly. Sure.
0: Now, during the, uh, the COVID, right now, are we able to do checking clinics and all that stuff, or is that kind of put on hold? Um,
2: I think that's put on hold um, for sure. It's um, I, I think there's and there's this is a this is me and it's an honest opinion and I don't think there's enough checking clinics out there um, for the younger guys and uh, it's. It teaches you so much, and, and what everyone does is they'll do one checking clinic six weeks before kids go to try out to check, and you watch these organizations that have skills practices and all that stuff. Just make it a station and start teaching your kids at, at the sport level because what's happening is that hockey is pushing older and older for checking, which is, again, I'm I'm all for concussion awareness and all that stuff, but what's happening is that uh, Timmy's hitting puberty uh, at thirteen when when Johnny's not hitting it till fourteen or fifteen. So you know, one, one guy's six one, the other guy's five two, and even unintentionally he's getting contacted ahead or he's timid because of just the sheer size differential. You know, so but if we teach our kids at a young age when there's a they're comparable, more comparable I should say, in size and strength it's going to, again, we talk about building confidence, it's going to build their confidence to go within, you know, and because a lot of it's our kids clench up and you think about, we we work through a lot of clients. We work through contact all the time, but if I'm going down the boards and someone's coming to hit me and I get tight and I like, I break, I call bracing for contact. Like I'm going to lean into where that guy's hitting me. I'm going to bounce off the guy. And what's going to happen when I bounce off the guy is the first thing that's going to hit the glass is my head. Right, so instead, you know, teaching guys that when I come to get that hit and I'm moving my feet, I can absorb the contact by going with the hit. So you're not going to get hit hurt on the boards. But if I can, if I can use the boards as my brace, I'm going to take and absorb that contact with me, and I'm going to be able to still continue my body movement and go because it's like I, I, there's no easy way to even describe this over a, a podcast. But like, if if I want to go punch you in the arm and you flexed and stood there, it would, you would really feel that, that connection, that, that contact. But if I went to go throw a jab at your arm and you leaned away from me, it would hurt you less and it'd be less of an impact if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So like, that's kind of what we're teaching guys because I don't want to bounce off of you and smash my head into the boards and have a concussion.
0: So are there guys, yeah. you don't have to say names, obviously at the senior level, who you're still teaching how to absorb a hit?
2: Absolutely, hundred percent. Guys, guys in the National Hockey League. There's guys that, um, and, and we say this a lot. And I've been very fortunate to work with some of the best uh, skill guys in, in the world. Um, best players in the world don't take contact. And you can look at Ryan Suter, a defenseman for the uh, Minnesota Wild. Look at Patrick Kane. You never really see him get. Of course, you're going to take contact in the corners. You're going to get pushed against the boards. You're going to get hit you never see these guys getting what we call blown up and open ice and all that stuff. A lot of it has to do with how they're, you know, how they move. Um, a lot of it has to do with, you know, what they're looking at, how, how cerebral they are with the game. Like if I can open up my shoulder a little bit more when I'm, when I'm moving around a turn, I just see so much more that's going on and I can be one step ahead of that contact. So I'm able to get rid of the puck, not get rid of the puck, but I'm able to make a plan with the puck, or I'm able to, you know, hit a different angle or a different lane where that guy can't come through to make contact with me. And I love watching Patrick Kane play because when he's got the puck, he, he's looking somewhere, and, you know, you're trying to figure out what he's looking at, so a lot of guys don't press on it. It's just so much that goes into it. But, but guys that can play like that are never going to get hit hard because they you're more worried about what they're going to do – as an offensive threat versus finishing that check or trying to go out of your way to make a make a hit, you know? Yep. No, it makes perfect sense. It's it's like the,
1: the, the, I don't want to say the bend, like a reed type thing where you're, you're kind of yeah. advanced and already know where you're going versus where, where they're coming. You're already a step ahead of them in,
0: in regards to that. So John, thanks for joining us today. So people can get in touch with you in two ways. Um I take it Eleven Hockey for those looking for uh some guidance and also to learn more about gel sticks. Um and that will for especially for you have lacrosse, hockey and
2: now golf. And now golf, and now golf at that, at uh, gelsticks.com and and our our handles are at gelsticks um uh, on the Instagram, you'll see all the professional athletes that use our stuff and, and some pretty cool tips and tricks for people. And, um, I think my Twitter at Jay Lonsbury 11. Um, and just, I try to just put content out there as much as possible in terms of just from anything from hockey advice to just blowing smoke out there. But, um, I, I can't thank you guys enough for having me on and I am really looking forward to part two and we can really dive into the gel sticks a little bit and, and, why we started and how it got started and, you know, where we're going with it. I think that'd be a really cool one. So definitely, definitely looking forward to that. So, well, thank you very much for your time tonight, John. No, thank you for having me again, guys. I appreciate it.
0: That was an awesome interview with uh, John.
2: Yeah, it was a lot
1: of, a lot of great information there. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. We'll definitely looking forward to part two and, and talking a little bit more in depth on some of the gel Sports stuff.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting, you know, how you know he works not only with uh, youth level kids as well, but he works with uh, NHL caliber and NHL players actually um, draft picks. So it's you know you have to have um, uh, the appropriate uh, skill set not only from a skills perspective, but also understanding how to talk to uh, players, how to talk to parents, how to talk to other coaches to make sure that. Uh, the, the players are getting everything that they need to um, achieve success.
1: Exactly. And, well, he's got some definitely some great mentors, uh, especially being from Winthrop.
0: Yeah, that was uh, interesting, and especially, you know, working with uh, Mike Rizzioni. Obviously, all of our uh, listeners know Mike Rizzioni from uh, the U.S. Olympic team, the Miracle on Ice. Uh, so, you know, that's a, it's great, to, great to hear that uh, um, Mike is still in the game as well. And now it's time for Tech Talk with Aislinn Muck from Home Ice Boston.
3: Hey everybody, this is Aislinn with Tech Talk. And uh, I thought a good subject to touch on today would be um, what you can do to keep your feet, let's say, in shape, for lack of better terms, when you find yourself with significant time off the ice. So this can apply to us right now when... uh, we're going through a little bit of a rough time. A lot of us are off the ice for uh, weeks, months, and we're again we're antsy. And we just want to know, is there anything we can be doing to give ourselves an advantage? And one thing I want to remind people of is that you don't want to wear your skates and, and walk around and run and jump in them a lot. But I do urge people, if you're spending some time away from the ice, put your skates on, try them on. Uh, first of all, if you're a child and still growing, make sure they still fit. And even if you're not growing, um, you can definitely experience what I call vacation feats. Okay. Uh, skates, figure skates, hockey skates, they they hold the foot very tightly, much tighter than a shoe. And they don't, they don't let your foot fall naturally how it wants to. It, it holds your foot in place in a certain shape. And if we spend extended periods of time let's say even more than a week without playing our skates on and uh, let's throw in a few other factors it's getting warmer outside we're wearing flip-flops or none of us are going to work so we don't feel the need to put on shoes or real clothes so we uh, you know hang around the house in barefoot or slippers our feet are losing their shape they're they're turning into vacation feet and that will also get worse with humidity so definitely take the time Um, go put your skates on lace them up as tightly as you would if you're going to go skate and I don't advise walking around a lot in them because the boots are not meant for a walking motion Uh, you can potentially break them down quicker or or break them in a little too much if you're doing that but put them on stand up take a couple steps in them just make sure your feet remember what it feels like to be in there Um, now let's say you think you have grown or parents, you have a child who's saying, ouch, ouch, this hurts. And you're trying to figure out, is it vacation feet or did they in fact outgrow these? Reach into the skate. I know it may not be delightful. You can wash your hands after. Pull out the insert. Okay. Those inserts are cut to the exact length and shape of the boot. And what you want to do is pull the insert out, line your child's foot up on the insert. And that's going to allow you to see, did they actually outgrow it? What you want is if the, you see some of the foot hanging off the sides, especially in like the ball of the foot or the pinky toe in the arch, that's pretty normal. Um, what you don't want is the length of the foot exceeding the length of the insole. You usually want even just a little sliver of space up into the toe, over the big toe and the, the second toe. Um, but if you see their toes are right up there or extending over, definitely reach out to your your skate tech your shop and and get an appointment because uh, again when those ranks do open again you want to be able to hit the ground running and you don't want to you know be put off the ice even longer because you need a certain skate in a certain size and we can't get it for a couple weeks so now's the time to plan ahead and just make sure your feet are your feet and your skates are on the same page
0: what about the, um, the width of uh, feet during vacation time? Is that possible with uh, all the salt people are eating while we're, we're out here or not eating? I mean, I can definitely see in Anna, she is not eating the same as she has been normally. A lot of, I mean, it's sad to say, um, but a lot of like ramen noodles and mac and cheese just because it's we are working. Food, it's comfort food. We're working during the day. At home, and so she's making her own food, and it's really not the normal, good, high, you know, better quality food that she's eating. So I imagine her salt intake is up, and she's also, even though she's doing a lot of exercise, she's not doing as much as probably she had been normally. So, can you see that just the size of the feet getting bigger?
3: Yeah, no doubt. And that's the width expanding is not as much of a concern as the length because, um, skate techs, uh, like at home ice, we do punch outs and stretching all the time. Most boots can actually be relatively pliable and we can, um, let's say everything in your boot feels great, but man, your pinky toe is just killing you. Or you have a bunion, um, at the base of your big toe. Those are actually relatively easy fixes that we can adjust. Whereas the length is the length is the length. We can't, we can debatably stretch and play some tricks there, but that's uh, a lot more critical and difficult to work around. And you're absolutely right. Things like sodium intake, humidity, um, time at the beach, that will definitely cause your feet to swell. And it's actually an argument. Let's, Let's not say an argument. Let's say, um, a spirited debate that I have with my customers every summer, um, obviously we want to kick our shoes off and wear Crocs and flip-flops, but if you're committed to skating and you're a committed athlete, you got to take care of your feet. And so one day at the beach uh, per week is not going to make or break you, but if you're spending a lot of time in summer with flip-flops on your feet, lose their shape and structure. They spread out, they expand. And um, also just complete lack of arch support, which is a, a, a whole other topic on its own, but, make sure you're wearing supportive shoes and uh, it's going to help keep your foot in that shape and in the form to fit easier into escape.
0: Thank you, Aislinn. Uh, so how can people find you or get in contact with you?
3: Um, so easiest is probably just visit our website, www.homeiceboston.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you can book your appointments right online. So If you're like me, you're sleeping and at 2 a.m. you wake up and realize, oh, you know what? I need to sharpen my skates. So no problem. At 2 a.m. you can go to our website and book the appointment right there. Um, So we try to make it easy for you to to get a hold of us. And also if you just look through our our website, there's lots of uh, there's actually blogs, tutorials, pretty much anything I'll discuss here on this podcast, you can find repeated with pictures on the website. For the time being, we are located at 1240 Soldiers Field Road in Brighton, Mass. Um, We are inside the Skating Club of Boston. However, the Skating Club of Boston is in the process of building a brand new facility in Norwood, and it's amazing. It has three sheets of ice. I cannot wait till we get down there. We're not sure of the exact timeline of us moving there, but let's say late summer, August, September-ish. So we will be making a transition in the next few months.
0: Excellent information, Aislinn. Thank you
1: very much for the tech talk. Definitely, definitely. So, well, now I think it's uh, time for the the hockey chirp of the week. So um, I'm going to go ahead and go with this one uh, that I've seen coupons that save more than you, goalie. (laughs) nice. (laughs) I I like (laughs) the corny ones. My son, he's a little bit more cruel with his, his, uh, his chirps, but I like the corny ones. So,
0: you know, there's nothing wrong with corny. Um, You know, a lot of uh, comedians, they, they made their whole career on corny.
1: Well, it brings the dad out in us. So they're more like dad jokes.
0: There, there is. I mean, there's, uh, you know, how about Gallagher? Yeah. Yeah. he was a little corny, wasn't
1: he? He was definitely corny, especially smashing the watermelons.
0: <laughs> I can <laughs> imagine, us, you know, us buying tickets and telling our kids, we're going to sit in the front row. Yeah. And then, it's a mistake about three minutes in.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but no, but that's the Hockey Chirp of the Week. Um, again, a great conversation with with John Lounsbury uh, and uh, looking forward to round two with that. Um, and that's all I've got, Dave.
0: All right, that's all I got as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening in. Chris, uh, see you later, and as always, we'll see you on the ice.